Well, they'd gathered for their harvest festival. A festival of thanksgiving. Pentecost. We immediately think of Pentecost as the Holy Spirit coming, the the birth of the church, and that is correct. But actually, Pentecost had nothing to do with that up to that point. Pentecost was the time that they gathered for their harvest festival, or festival of weeks, it's also known. It's one of the regular annual feasts the Jews were required to attend. And it was held 50 days after Passover. And I read that because the weather was better at that time of the year for travel, more people attended this festival than any other. And many thousands may have travelled long distances. And many who were present at that Pentecost, yes, would have been present at the Passover. So I want you to get the picture. Many thousands of people all gathered. Their village day, if you like. Their Pentecost. Their harvest festival. Now, because they'd come such a long way, it wouldn't be unusual to hear many tongues, many different dialects spoken and people not understanding them. The Jews, you see, were a scattered people. They were scattered in every country of the Western and Eastern world. And many of them only spoke the language of their homeland. They didn't even know the Aramaic spoken in Jerusalem or the Hebrew of the Old Testament. Yet, they were faithful to the law and to the temple, which was where they came in those days, and they had a particular faithful approach to the temple. And each year, pilgrims came to celebrate one or more of these annual religious festivals. And as I said, they were faithful. If they hadn't bothered to return to Jerusalem for the Pentecost this year, They didn't bother to turn up. They would have missed this great occasion. I wonder what they were thinking as they came. They obviously wanted to be together, but did they just expect the norm that they had last year and the year before? Did they come because they were on stewarding duty or it was their job to take up the offering on that day? Well, that may be the sort of way that we come together when we come to worship God. Are we expecting God to do great and different things every Sunday? I may have said it here, but when I go out preaching in other churches, I always start the service by saying, why are you here this morning? And one of these days I'll get the shock that someone will shout back, not because you're here, or something like that. But I say, why are you here this morning? Why have you come? And it's the same for us this morning. Why are we here? Well, we're here because God has brought us here. We could have decided not to come, and we'll miss the blessing that God has for each one of us, whatever that blessing may be. Pentecost... At that time, the first Pentecost was also thought of as the anniversary of Moses giving the law to Israel. So each 
occasion was significant in Pentecost. Harvest, the giving of the law, the two things. Christ had died for sinners and on this Pentecost, the first results of that harvest of souls was seen as the Spirit brought the believers together. Why? Well, to form the living church. It also ushered in a new era. The era of law had come under Moses, but they were now under the era of grace and truth by Jesus Christ. You see, Pentecost marked the full initiation of the new age of grace, the age in which we live today. In that respect, nothing has changed from Pentecost. We are still living, and we continue to live. in an age of grace, under the Spirit. Well, it was a remarkable occasion, not only because of the coming of the Holy Spirit, but because Peter was able to speak to an international audience all at one time, without any PA system, radio, television, Twitter, Facebook. And it resulted in a worldwide harvest of believers first converts to Christianity. See, it's exciting when you can see what happened when the Holy Spirit moves amongst God's people. So let's just remind ourselves of the events of that day as we read in Acts chapter 2. It was all about fulfillment of Scripture. It wasn't something that just happened. It didn't happen just on the spur of the moment. And sometimes we tend to think that is what it's all about when we talk about the Holy Spirit moving within our fellowship, within the church. Yes, it often comes and surprises us, but it's not a surprise to God because it's all in God's plan. We need to realise that all that takes place is planned by God. And the manner of events on this first Pentecost was unique. There, was no, there is no other passage in the New Testament where an exact parallel can be found, although Luke in Acts often speaks of the Spirit filling believers and empowering them for ministry. And we see in Acts, and those of, I've got to say on this occasion, those of you that are involved in the house groups, because I'm actually having a, just a break at this period, so I'm missing out on your study in Acts that you're having, but those who are involved in the study of Acts in house groups will be seeing this. Yes, it was a one-off occasion. But there is constant outpouring of the Spirit on believers to this day. So what had been said in Scripture prior to this? Well, John the Baptist in Luke chapter 3, verse 16 said, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. The Lord Jesus Christ. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and with fire. Back in the Old Testament, in the prophecies, Joel chapter 2, we read, and as we read, we realise their words that Peter used on this occasion in his sermon. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, 
And Jesus himself in chapter 1 of Acts said, it's not for you to know the time and the day the Father is set in his own authority. He's talking again about end times. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We need to realize that this prophecy in Joel is a prophecy on end times and all the things that Joel prophesied didn't actually come to fruition on that day. They're ongoing. And as Paul, as Peter preaches, he's, he's almost saying from now on as he's preaching it through. And we tend to focus, don't we, on one sign on Pentecost Sunday at the time of Pentecost. Actually, there were four visible signs on that day. There was the sound of the rushing wind, we read there in verse 2. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. It's all about hearing, listening. The people needed to listen. And as we wait on the Spirit, are we listening? Are we ready to hear? There was the appearance of a fireball, leaping tongues of flame, seeing. In verse 3, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. Many of you will hear some of us going on, sometimes a bit too much, you might think, about the time that we presented Spirit, the musical here in the church, or in the King Edward Hall and the Clare Hall, as it happens. But one of the things that stands out in my mind was not the singing, not the acting, not that took place, was something actually that Brian Tingley produced because he looked after the lighting and everything else and we weren't in the age of supercomputer controlled stuff those days but we had a beautiful uh, flame licking all over the, the, the back of the church and there, uh, shown through the lighting system and that. But these flames really stood out and it actually really brought the whole thing to life. But we need to be seeing, we need to always be looking for the Spirit to be working. Then also in verse 3 we read, tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. There was separation of the fireball into individual flames. It wasn't just one big lump. And it came to rest on each of the assembled believers. They were all involved, not just Peter, not only the apostles, but it was for everyone. And there was the outburst of sound as all the band of believers spoke in a language that was foreign to them. Read that in verse 4. See, God wanted to communicate clearly, openly, honestly, completely. And he wants to do that with us. Where we are in a language we can understand. Well, why were there tongues of fire? Well, tongues symbolise speech and the communication of the gospel. And fire symbolises God's purifying presence, which burns away undesirable elements in our lives. John Wesley said, I set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. I don't think he was literally saying he does it himself. He was, he was talking about the Holy Spirit coming and working through him. I set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. 
while it was a miraculous attention getting for this international crowd gathered in a town for a feast. But it was more than miraculous. It wasn't only the flames, the wind. It was actually the presence of the Holy Spirit giving power. And that's almost the other sign, the main sign of what took place on that day. The power of the Holy Spirit came upon them. It's just interesting to note that all the list of places mentioned in verses 9 to 11, well, they're probably there because it's very likely that some of the Jews who responded to Peter's message on, on this great day returned to their homelands with God's good news of salvation. And thus God, through the Holy Spirit, had prepared the way for the spread of the gospel. All part of his plan, not just on the spur of the moment, and you'll often see in Acts that the way was prepared for Paul and other messengers and the way was prepared by people who became believers at Pentecost. At Pentecost they were all together in one place. If you've looked on your notice sheet, I've headed today with, I think, together in one place. The, the apostles had been preparing in chapter 1 verse 14 we see they joined constantly in prayer they'd also done what they were told because Jesus had told them in verse 4 of chapter 1 don't leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised oh, it's always difficult to be waiting for something you know is going to come you're not quite sure what it's going to be but you get excited of course, the moving of the Spirit's not constrained by our meetings. But it's interesting to note that in the New Testament, things happened when people gathered together. They all came together. The Spirit came. They all spoke in other tongues. Well, what was it all about? Well, on that day, the speaking in tongues helped everybody to understand. Today, well, speaking in tongues is something that can take place in corporate worship. When God speaks through someone, and this is conveyed in a different tongue, but it's quite clear that if that happens, that God will be there and somebody will be prompted with an interpretation. For me, one of the greatest times when tongues a manifest in, in worship is in praise and corporate worship. I've been to events where during the singing, just everybody sings in a different tongue and it has a lovely feel to it, uplifting. And then, of course, tongues are used by many people in their own quiet times when we're alone with God. We want to pour out our praise and somehow another tongue is the way to do it. What tongues is not about is for a person's own satisfaction or attention seeking and the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to direct us to Jesus not for us to have a good time partying yes of course we have fun we rejoice with the coming of the Holy Spirit 
we need to remember that there is a clear purpose. So we've celebrated Pentecost again. But for all our talk about the gift of the Spirit and how he creates, upholds, sustains the church as a whole, we need to be sure we don't miss the significance of what God has given us. You see, we can miss it because we fail in our lack of understanding in all our talk, in all our listening, to ask ourselves the one question. How has God gifted me in particular as an individual? Because the flames landed on each individual as they do on Christians today. And the church is made up of individuals. And the Spirit comes to each one of us. And the power works through each one of us. One story to close. There's a story of an old man. No, sorry, told of a man. Don't know what age he was. A chap called Late Yates, who during the Depression owned a sheep ranch in Texas. He didn't have enough money to continue paying the mortgage. In fact, he was forced, like many others, during the time of, depression, uh, of the Depression, to live on government subsidies. Each day he tended his sheep, was worried about how he was going to pay the bills. And as he struggled, struggled on, sometime later, a seismographic crew arrived on his land and said that they might be oil, and they wanted to test drill. And after a lease was signed, they went ahead. Just over a thousand feet, a huge oil reserve was struck. Subsequent wells revealed even more oil than the first one. Mr. Yates owned it all. He had the oil and mineral rights. He'd been living on relief. Yet he was a millionaire. Think of it. He owned all that oil with its tremendous potential, but he didn't realise it. What does that say to you about your walk with the Lord and the Holy Spirit working in our lives?